So the year was 1998. I was in college, and probably the greatest movie of that summer was The Big Lebowski. Colin, I know you've seen it. I did see it, but I wasn't in college. Derek, have you seen The Big Lebowski? Uh, I have not seen The Big Lebowski. You haven't seen The Big Big Lebowski? Lebowski? I did not see The Big Lebowski. I was not a hippie. Ooh, low blow. Welcome to You Haven't Seen, the podcast where Adam, Derek, and Colin force each other to watch movies they should have seen a long time ago. So, Derek, now that you've watched The Big Lebowski, well, first got to tell us, why didn't you see it? What was what was wrong with you that you didn't go see the, probably one of the biggest hits of 1998? Biggest hits of 1998, eh? All right, so here's my issue with... Were you studying abroad in Canada? <laughs> I was not, actually, at that point. I was already out of college, number one, trying to make a living. Um, Also, the Coen brothers, for me, do not do much, especially a Coen brothers comedy. I actually did not have any interest in seeing this movie. Okay. So so you never got around to it, didn't appeal. Talk to us. Were there other people at the time telling you that you should go see it? I feel like it was at the movies for like a week, and then it was never heard from again. Was this a big hit? This this was, uh, I believe, a hit. It, I, I don't know. I do feel like this is one of those uh, movies that made more money probably after uh, it was I'm on definitely, DVD. I'm definitely sure that, uh, that the DVD crowd, because this was right at the time that people would have been buying movies left and right. You know, It was starting to be 10 or 15 bucks at, at Target. Yeah, the um, the domestic gross on this movie was a total of seventeen million dollars, and it only and it made five point five of that in the first week. Yeah, well, it was not a big hit, Adam. But seventy eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, that's considerable. Yeah, I I would agree with that, and it made the uh, Entertainment Weekly top fifty cult films as well, ranked number thirty four. Okay, so it's, what was it about? What was the story here? All right, some crazy surfer guy. I think he was. A, I think he was a hippie, not so much a surfer. I don't know. He looked like a surfer guy to me. Jeff, the dude Lebowski, return. Uh, I'm going to read off the Wikipedia plot synopsis. Or oh uh, come on, <laughs> your your best <laughs> recollection. My best recollection. Do Do you want me to start going into my problems with it, or just a plot synopsis? No, just, just plot synopsis. synopsis. All right, so. Uh, there's a guy by the name of Lebowski. He comes home. He's a big loser. He comes home one day only to realize that the people – to get roughed up, only to realize that there's another guy that goes by Jeff, was it Jeff Lebowski, I think. Yeah. And he tells the people that his name is The Dude. So stupid. He's a big bowler, and he meets the other Lebowski guy, and then they, there's some sort of heist – 
kidnapping thing that happens with Tara Reed, and there's an ex-wife played by Julianne Moore. That's his daughter, actually. No, no, that's what I meant. The wife is Julianne Moore, isn't it? No. That's oh, okay. the Big Lebowski's daughter. No. All right. Well, there you go. Yeah. Oh, and then the, the wife is Tara Reed. Is that right. the deal? There you go. Got it. This is how, how into the movie I was. Um, and then there's some Germans that are coming out there. I don't know. It's some craziness. They were nihilists. And then there's some, there's some, bo- there's some, uh, there's some bowling involved as well. Well, well, that was a great summary. And... <laughs> now everyone wants to go see it. Right. Exactly. Well, you two need to you do two need to talk people into seeing this movie so that you know you can bore them to tears as well. So let's start with Sam Elliott. I mean, he's the narrator. Anything that his voice is in is automatically better. There was that stupid Hugh Grant and uh, Sarah Jessica Parker movie that just made me watch that he played the um, marshal and I don't. Know, they were on the witness protection program. This is not going to make you haven't seen. No, this will not because no <laughs> one should see this movie. Um, Wasn't this in the in the movie that you were trying to the alien movie that you were? Is he he involved in that? Who was the guy that you said in that that stupid alien movie that you want to go see? Simon Pegg. Oh yeah, Those no, are two, two different British guys. Okay, whatever. <laughs> so, anyways, so uh, Sam Elliott, anything that he's in, anytime his voice appears, is something that I want to see. I so, would agree with that. It was see, he, see, he was great. So you know it's going to be awesome just as, as you hear his voice. I, I would disagree, and I do believe the movie-going public also disagreed in 1998. And then as you're introducing the dude, he writes a check for 67 cents at the grocery store. That's just fascinating. Like, th- Doesn't that just make you want to know more about this guy? Here's the guy who's buying half and half at a grocery store and paying for it with a 67-cent check. That makes me just feel sad. <laughs> I'm not sure that that was the hook uh, for me. I don't have strong memories of going to see this movie in the theater. I think I was definitely a uh, I saw this on on DVD, maybe even VHS. So then, aside from that, I mean, you, you've got everyone's favorite um, computer programmer. You've got Clue himself. Yeah, here's Jeff, my Jeff issue. Bridges. You've got. Can we start with Jeff Bridges? Okay. He's totally miscast in this role. Who buys him as a big loser? That's funny you mentioned that. I'd like to uh, put up for the record that the jelly sandals that he wore, which I'm uploading uh, to the a link on our, our, our chat page, the jelly sandals that he wore, are actually, they actually belong to him. I, I, did, I did make a note of the jelly sandals because they make numerous appearances. Yes, and they, they, as well as the, uh, what's the, uh, the Japanese uh, baseball player shirt that he wore? What's the Japanese uh, home run king? I don't, I don't think I caught that one. Uh, let's see, his name is something very Japanese. Sadahara O. Okay, so yes, so maybe he has some crazy clothes and things like that, but he certainly made a name for himself as, you know, a human being. This guy is just a total... He's just a, I mean, the douche. He's just a, a loser. I mean, he, Jeff Bridges is not a loser. I think he played it perfectly, and he gave, he gave a, 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 a synopsis of, you know, his history when he was laying in bed with uh, Julianne Moore, and he said he was one of the original authors of the Port Huron Papers. So those were the papers that, um, that established the Students for Democratic Society. 
but it was the original draft, not the second second draft. He made it very clear. And then he was one of the uh, Seattle Seven, which was also a, a radical group. And then he did some stuff, and he was a roadie for Metallica. Like, just the complete you know, loss of time between, like, 1971 and 1980-whatever that he was roadieing for Metallica. I, I think that totally explains the character. Yeah, I don't feel like it's a miscast. Who, who would you cast instead? I don't know. He's also 48 years old when he's doing this role. I mean, right. But he's appropriate. If he was supposed to be an aging hippie, that's exactly how old he should have been. Yes. I, I just, I, I, like I said, I mean, he looks like, even though they try to, you know, put the long hair on him and everything else like that, like, to me, he does not look like a loser to me. Like, he, he I don't know. Maybe it's because I've seen him in too many other movies. Do you have a man crush on him? He's kind of, you know, he's kind of a little hero. I mean, he's a good guy. And he was, he was Tron for crying out loud. Well, he wasn't Tron, but he was in Tron, so. You mean Tron Legacy? <laughs> Not Tron Legacy. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was the fish, he, he was in the Fisher King. I mean, he, he's a pretty solid guy. I mean, I, uh, I, I really like him. Okay, but. so, so you, you feel like Jeff Fridges was miscast. I think he was perfect for this. But then Philip Seymour Hoffman. As the Big Lebowski's manservant. Yep. And he is amazing. He steals every single scene. That's what I wrote down in my notes. Like, he is so amazing in, in his role. And he completely demolishes every other actor every time he's in a scene. Oh, wouldn't his facial expressions when he's showing the dude uh, Mr. Lebowski's awards and the dude goes to touch all of them. And you can just <laughs> see him cringe. Like, I'm totally going to have to polish that. Yeah, I do feel like the cast is definitely a, a strong point for the movie. That that, that we've got John Goodman, Steve Buscemi, John Turturro. Yeah, I mean, there's as there's the a lot, evil bowler. Oh, there, there's a lot a lot going on there to like. Well, Steve Buscemi though is I. Oh, have I, have you're, you ever you're gonna go crapping on the '90s again. Oh God, Steve Buscemi is terrible. He's terrible. He's just terrible in everything. He's I don't even never know how had a bad is. role. Ghost World. He was so bad. How was he bad? He was a creepy, lecherous old man that was lonely. I don't know. I have, not, I have yet to like. I mean, besides, you know, when he does like just a small role, like in Big Fish or something, I have yet to like a movie that he's in. Reservoir Dogs. Again, no, he's a fiction. small role. What are you talking you know, about? He was one of the guys. <sighs> he's bleeding he out of his neck. You don't like the movies that he's in, or you don't like him in the movies? I don't like him in the movies. That's the well, deal. Isn't it most of, I mean, he's, that's, that's his typecast. He's supposed to be an unlikable character in almost every movie he's in. What about Big Daddy? He played the homeless guy. He was, he was pretty fantastic, and he's only in there for three minutes. What about Con Air? Yeah, I, <laughs> oh, I hated God. that movie. That movie's so <laughs> bad. <laughs> That came in, that came up while I was pl- watching the flick like on the flick chart game. I don't know if you guys play, guys played that where yeah. you have two movies. That comes in all the time. That is like one of my most hated movies on there. I've for, I've forgotten how big a career Tara Reid had. I mean, talk about like I don't know. No, like she just between when this movie came out and then American Pie might have been the year after. That was her career. That was the sum total of everything she did. I mean, how did she go from being in these movies to just having nothing? Because she's a drunk. 
I guess. And she's she's actually not the she's actually not that bad in this movie. Either. No, like, she's, she's well, fine. she had three lines, but I I even thought in American Pie she's a fine actor. It's just she's a drunk. Yeah. Oh, that that's right. She was she was in Van Wilder also. She was, but she was only in that for a short amount of time. Too. No, I mean, she was she, the she uh, reporter that was interviewing him. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, she's, she's, she's going to be in American Pie Four coming out in 2012, apparently. Oh, wow. that's good to know. <laughs> Since all of those people's careers have fallen by the wayside, I say Jess will make me go see that one after we just saw the Meet the Parents three. All right, so here here's the deal. Like, I think you guys know how much I love Julianne Moore. That accent is terrible. <laughs> it's so, it's so bad. Pre- is it supposed to be bad? Yeah, it's just so pretentious. Like, it's, it's not even. It's but the it's ma- not pretentious. It's yeah. just terrible. No, it's the Madonna fake European accent that I think it was great. Oh, I, I couldn't even t- – I mean, I love Julianne Moore, and I pretty much like everything she's in, and all oh, I couldn't get past that accent. It was terrible. Yeah, I agree. That's supposed to be an, an affected accent, I think, for sure. Yeah, but, I mean, it just – I don't know. It just doesn't play – I don't feel like it plays well. Like, I got that she was supposed to be – like, that wasn't really supposed to be her accent, but – you know, like she was trying to put it on, but I, I just, I couldn't tolerate it. It was awful. But we didn't talk about John Goodman, and John Goodman is awesome in this movie. Like, this see, he's be, my favorite in the movie. Yeah, this may be his best part ever. Well, there was Blues Brothers, two thousand, but and and King Ralph, King, King Ralph, <laughs> King Ralph. I should be honest. Should, we should do an episode on King Ralph. I think. <laughs> Unfortunately, we've all seen it. Yes, we have. I even saw that one at the show. I saw that one at the show also. I'd be curious if King Ralph made more money than The Big Lebowski that Adam thinks is a big hit. So let's look that up. Go ahead. Keep going. Anyway, anyways, so yes, the John Goodman was clearly awesome in this. But so let's talk about the plot. Uh, the dude pretty much figured it out 20, 28 minutes into the movie. He knew what was going to happen. Said, ah, she kidnapped herself. There's no, there's nothing to do. There's no, no one to see. Let's just let it die. And none of the other characters in the movie would let it go. And Shut he, up, Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> and he just, he, he figures it out. Twenty-eight minutes in, and he keeps saying, no, 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 don't worry about it. And he just wants to go on being the dude. And they just keep sucking him in. You know, Walter, you know, forces himself along on, on the ride along to dump, dump his dirty undies and. You know, he has to be the go-between, and uh, Julianne Moore, you know, is trying to track down this missing money, and the nihilists come in, and they drop their marmot into the tub. By the way, I believe that was a ferret and not a marmot, but I can't be sure. It did look like a ferret to me as well. Yeah. To be honest, I really don't know what a marmot looks like. But I thought it was a ferret. So the dude that was completely... Well, he's drinking his white Russians. He's smoking a J with the big with the big Lebowski, and he he knows exactly what's going on. And it's everyone else that, that adds the complexity. I just thought that was that was great that there was actually no need for the plot. Well, it's in true Coen Brothers comedy styling. Yes, there is no need for a plot, much like Raising Arizona. Yeah, see that is my favorite. Nick Cage movie, which is not saying a lot because I hate all of his movies. Really? But, Even Ghost Rider? I've oh, we'll have to put that one on the list. I'm <laughs> know, afraid to say I've never seen Ghost Rider. Oh, and you don't need to see Ghost Rider. 
Well, I would like to insert as an example of how it's how it's included itself into popular culture um, with this YouTube clip. Again, I wish we could share it with uh, with our listeners, but it, it's a it's an episode of the Powerpuff Girls um, parodying the scene where he goes and talks to the to Mr. Lebowski, and he tells him about how you know how his life has gone. So feel free feel free to watch. I don't know how how good of a uh, audio we'll, listening. We'll put them in the show notes. We can have Adam edit that in right here. Yeah, I'll see what I can do. Yeah. Um, you know, he's constantly drinking his white Russians. You know, as they toss him into the car, you know, from one limo into the other, careful, well, there's a beverage here. You know, it, it's, it's just this motif that's carried out throughout. And you know that when he walks into a room, he's going to find the bar. And obviously they've got half and half Kahlua and vodka for him to mix up. His, it's this attention to detail that makes these characters engaging, that makes them seem more so like real people than a lot of times you get in sort of a whodunit. I feel like most of this movie feel... could have been ad-libbed, though. It might have been. So then how are they geniuses then, I guess, is my deal. Like, I feel like the Coen brothers are oftentimes compared to um, Quentin Tarantino. And he writes much better dialogue than these guys. I mean, he, I feel like his movies are well thought out. They're well paced. And while there are some scenes, like I do love, I do love when the Lebowski boys meet basically like that is kind of cool. And there are some scenes that are kind of fun. I just feel like it, it, it doesn't hold together as a, as a good movie. I have an observation about like the funniness of it. Like I, I never la- really laughed out loud in here. Like I, I wrote down that crazy scene with the crowbar and the car. Right. And like, there's a misunderstanding and the guy beats on the car. Like to me, that's like three's company funny. How is that fun? Like, Oh no, I'm going to beat up your, I mean, that's, that scene was actually more uncomfortable. Anytime, anytime, uh, Walter went off the handle, you know, John Goodman, I, I actually got uncomfortable more than I thought it was funny that he overreacted. I would agree with that. I would say most of the humor comes from the quotability, um, of the movie. This is definitely a huge movie for, guys to quote to their friends that you can use in different contexts and you can say things and then it brings back you know oh yeah we've both seen that movie unlike Derek. so it's a movie for hippies then is that what you're telling me oh no people that like movie quotes are hippies so colin what are some of your favorite quotes because i've got a couple that i'm sure are different than yours bullet bowling on shabbos is, is i think a, a universal you know a more most popular quote right um you know that you don't you don't roll on shoppers, you know. Oh, exactly. Uh, my, going off of that, I think again, John Goodman had them all because when uh, dude accused him of not actually being Jewish, he says, "I'm as Jewish as Tevya," which totally flew by. But that's Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, nice. And then he also <laughs> talks about we have three three thousand years of beautiful tradition from Moses to Sandy Koufax. <laughs> I think my favorite quote might be uh, at the beginning. Uh, when the guys break into his house and pee on the rug and, and the guy picks up the bowling ball and says, what the heck is this? And he says, obviously you're not a golfer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that's a very subtle understated humor. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. I just don't see how that's that. Fun. I don't know. It's, it's kind of funny, I guess. And if you're in the know, I suppose I could see that being funny. It's, it's not Spaceballs worthy, but it's, you know, it's okay, I guess. You can't compare every movie to Spaceballs. I'm just going to say that right now. We've got a big, long list of movies. Spaceballs can't beat, yeah. 
Well, but that's another example of a movie that's very quotable that has a lot of lines. You know, Ace Ventura, Dumb and Dumber, like, you know, those were all movies that got quoted nonstop if you were in a high school slash college period in your life. To me, those are, you know, Major League, another one. I mean, these are movies that I've seen over and over again and can quote, you know, almost everything. Naked Gun. Mm -hmm. I mean... I, this one, I felt like, eh, I mean, these aren't that funny of scenes. Like, I didn't find it that funny. I found it more, and not even crude. It was just kind of dumb, I guess. By the way, King Ralph made $34 million domestically. <laughs> <laughs> that was on the strength of the soundtrack, I think, with uh, all John Goodman. Unlike uh, you know, your, your credence that you have here. And um... I do want to mention that. The soundtrack. I, I went. I went and bought the soundtrack for this right after seeing the movie. This is a fantastic soundtrack, and the music, a la Quentin Tarantino movie, the music is just perfect in the scenes that the, they're in. The best song. Well, there's two. Is one is the um, Gy- Gypsy King singing Hotel California in Spanish, but also um, the uh, Kenny Rogers in the first edition that just dropped in. Yeah, yeah I... that's a movie that was completely absent from my musical radar in 1998 that I rediscovered it. It's just a fantastic song. I don't think most people would know that that's Kenny Rogers either. Yeah. And I, and I'm not, not being a country guy. was this just sort of a non country phase that he was in before mm-hmm. he hit it big. Um, I think it was in, in the middle of hitting it big. Okay. Kenny, yeah. Kenny Rogers, I mean, was a huge, is that, are we talking about Kenny Rogers himself? I mean, he was a huge hit back in the eighties. I mean, Right, but this but this song is from the uh, it was like sixty seven, I think. The man yeah, does I, know how to roast a chicken. I'll say that. <laughs> I gotta have the chicken. Jer- um, but no, that soundtrack is is just one. I mean, it is just great, and you know, Bob Dylan and Elvis, Elvis Costello, and I mean, just really fun songs that are just perfectly laid in there. I was just sad that there was no Metallica to harken back to his roadie days. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just looking at my notes here. Like, again, more quotes. How how has it been, dude? Uh, you know, strikes and gutters, ups and downs. Like everything comes back to bowling. Now, do you think of it, multiple viewings improves the movie? I, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like I walked out of the theater really enjoying it. Um, I, I don't know. How many times have you seen it since that? Dozen, two dozen. I don't know. Really? Okay. This was one so this, of the, a favorite. This, this was one of the college movies that uh, you just tossed the DVD in. I'm gl- grateful that I was out of college by that point. I mean, it, here's my deal. Like, this is the bowling movie, but I feel like the bowling, the bowling movie, to end all bowling movies, came out uh, two years earlier. Kingpin? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. talk about a quotable movie and just, I mean, I've seen that movie a gazillion times. I mean, it's great. It's, it's a very, very different type of comedy, though. But do you think that that contributed to this movie not finding an audience? No. Do you, you think the bowlers were, were too tired to go see another bowling comedy already? No, I don't think that. But I think that the way that they marketed this movie was kind of like, I mean, bowling definitely figures into this. And I think that maybe that's probably why I missed this the first time around. I'm like, I mean, first of all, I've already, you know, I, I don't like the Coen brothers and I certainly don't like their comedies. And then I don't. Like, I kind of already saw a great bowling movie that is absolutely over the top and insane. So you have no room in your heart for Happy Gilmore because you saw Caddyshack. That's what you're saying. 
I actually hadn't seen Caddyshack in its entirety until a couple of years ago. Oh man, that would have made a great episode. That would have, yeah. <laughs> would have, would have. I mean, I'd, I'd seen bits and pieces, but I'd never seen it all the way through. And then it, it was on Netflix, and I was like, I really should rectify this, and I did. So, Happy Gilmore was the first golf movie I had seen, I suppose. Maybe that should be another podcast. Is just what are the best comedic sports movies for each sport are we considering bowling an actual sport i mean it's got a ball i've gotten sweaty when doing it but <laughs> i suppose because i was wearing too much too many shirts at the same time and rental shoes t-man would definitely argue that it is a sport but i don't know that i would so yeah. i guess the ihsa treats it as a sport we should so, so just out, just out of curiosity, did either of you guys scroll down to the bottom of the Wikipedia page and that the dude is actually a real person? No, I did not see that. Oh, there is Jeff Dowd. Um, he's friends with the Cohen brothers. He was in the Seattle Seven. He liked white Russians, and they called him dude. I can see was, that. He was proud of a little rug that tied the room together. What time is he calling in to uh, be on the podcast? Oh, we, we did not get Jeff Dowd, um, ah. unfortunately. <laughs> I think if we called him right now, I don't think that he's really doing anything. It's possible. Can somebody like the, like those crazy drug scene thingies? Like the whole musical number right. is that when is was, that funny? Oh, when he was dancing in the um, Julianne Moore's dressed as uh, Broomhilda, the German with the helmet. And if I had seen this movie at the show, that I would have been like, "What is going on?" Based. I always just, kind of feel like that in drug movies. Not that I really consider this really a drug movie, but I, I do always feel like that in drug movies where I, I, there's something I just don't get. So, I guess, but like in Pulp Fiction, it didn't seem you're. They're just showing them like getting you know getting high. They're not really taking you through the the trippiness of of it all. Like this is, I felt like it was too over the top almost for what it was. But that wasn't him getting high. That was him actually. One time he got punched mm-hmm. punched in the face. The other time he got drugged in his drink. So it's not like it was him just having a trip. Yeah, I don't think it was glorifying. Well, it kind of is, though. I mean, it's it's him having a trip based upon what was in his drink. Isn't yeah. that what it's supposed to be? I guess. I mean, did they just want to – they were like, we need to throw a musical number in here with bowling pins? They like, just him to, I, I thought he was an excellent dancer. Yeah. That's one thing that, that he that, – uh, Jeff Bridges can add to his resume. I thought Derek was always in favor of making uh, movies into musicals. I usually am. I mean, I'm not going to lie here, because, but, but here it just felt out. Of, it just felt out of place, and I felt like, oh, they wanted to throw a musical number in and couldn't fit it in. Like it was just weird. Just, I feel like I usually do when I see a crazy Coen Brothers movie. I mean, and True Grit, notwithstanding, True Grit's amazing. I haven't seen it yet. No, me neither. It's 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 great. Definitely should have won. Yeah, I, I definitely want to go see True Grit. That was it's on my list. Well, now it's on my Netflix queue, but yeah. we'll get there. Emily made me watch Fargo with her, and I think the first three times I tried watching it, I fell asleep. Oh, I do like and Fargo. See, I, I like this much better than Fargo. I don't know. She mm. keeps telling me how funny Fargo is too, and I like. I don't know. It's kind of cute and kitschy with the you know the the police lady whatever and but i just i don't know i just don't see it i mean it was it was an okay movie but it wasn't great by any stretch of the imagination i I tell you i'm going back to this tara reed thing like she's really pretty good in the 
couple scenes she's in in this. And she was really good in American Pie. Not American Pie 2, but American Pie. I mean, how, how does a person throw away a career like that? I mean, it's just unbelievable to me sometimes. Why don't you ask Charlie Sheen? I suppose. I mean, I don't know. But at least he made his millions of dollars, basically, at this point. He, made, he was making $1 million per episode at the, you know, for the last couple of years. I mean... It's just weird to me. I mean, I just was like, wow, she really had something good going here. And, you know, like I said, she was good in the first American Pie. And then, I don't know, she turned into a, night, a nightmare. Was this Philip Seymour Hoffman's first real big role? It was in Patch Adams about the same time. <laughs> well, when did um, Boogie Nights come out? Uh, I feel like that was before because that was in, yeah, Boogie Nights was 97. So right before. Okay. Oh, I uh, have not seen Boogie Nights, by the way. Yeah, because his breakthrough was... Patch Adams was 98. There you go. His breakthrough would have been Talented Mr. Ripley, maybe? Oh, God, that movie's terrible. Oh, that movie was great. I know you would say that. I hate that movie. Magnolia? Okay. No, Magnolia came out the year after. That was 99. And that is my favorite movie. Yeah, that's definitely the beginning of his career. Yeah, that's what I feel like. I feel like this was his, I mean, like, it's almost like uh, Bronson Pinchot in uh, Beverly Hills Cop, you know? Oh, that's a good, that's a great. <laughs> he just stole the role. Like, he just steals the scene. You're like, oh, my God, he's good in this. Well, he, he had to be good in something. <laughs> he was. Hey, can we not badmouth Balky on this yeah, show? exactly. Now we are so happy we do the Dance of Joy. Oh, well. Painful. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about the moral of the story. Okay, can someone explain to me the uh, – okay, here's what I wrote. I don't even get the ending, and I wrote – and Adam kind of alluded to this – or why this story needed to be told. Who cares? So one of the great parts in my mind are that the two pieces of wisdom we're left with, one from the, the cowboy, that was sometimes you eat the bar, sometimes the bar eats you, and then the dude said the dude abides. Neither of those statements make any sense. I really feel like Paul Zafferopoulos should be should be, make a guest appearance on this episode because I feel like he he lives by this movie. This it's is true. I don't know. It might have been made twenty years too late for him, but I, I bet he does enjoy it. No, but I, I think it's great that you're left with the, these pearls of wisdom that have zero meaning. Then why am I? I don't. I don't. Just, maybe I just don't. Maybe I just need more out of entertain like I can I can do a movie that is completely ridiculous and I realize that it's just a popcorn movie, but I felt like this movie was trying to say something, but then I guess it wasn't. But you've ignored the whole nihilism aspect too. I mean the one of the one of the primary antagonists, they were a group of nihilists. They believe in nothing. There was no message here. It just was. Yeah, I, I feel like it was not plot driven at all. It's completely character driven gutters and strikes man gutters and strikes and there's that weird turn with john Turturro's character where he's he's a pedophile yeah it's yep. I, I don't even like but i thought okay that's gonna go somewhere like there's gonna be something that nope didn't go anywhere got to wear excellent jumpsuits <laughs> it did and it but I felt like, okay, they're going to do something with that later. Like, he's going to get his comeuppance. Like, there's going to be something happening here. And nothing, like, nothing happens. 
Well, maybe that was part of the problem is you were expecting uh, expecting something to happen. Usually do. Usually do. <laughs> so are you saying you're not going to be telling other people that they need to see this movie? No, but I am glad that I saw it because, you know, Adam continues to talk about it all the time. And now I know that he's crazy for enjoying it necessarily. But I don't know. It's just, it's like I said, no, I, I don't know that I would tell other people to see it. I, I suppose it depends on who it is. If it's somebody that, like, if it was, I could totally see a high school kid or a college kid enjoying this movie, maybe. But so what you're saying not. is, once again, you're too old to have enjoyed this. <laughs> Perhaps. Okay. I, I, but I, was I too old to enjoy most of the Coen Brothers movies? I feel like they, they don't do anything for me. For the most part. Again, true great notwithstanding. I will admit that that was fantastic. All right. And so there we have it. So I guess Derek is not pleased that he has now seen The Big Lebowski. So are we are we keeping track? Is that like an 0 for 1 then? Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know how we keep track here. But <laughs> yes, that's 0 for 1. I, we're going to keep track because most of the movies on the list I have not seen. So... So the year is 1994, and rodeo fans throughout Goreville are going crazy for the film Eight Seconds. Oh, that is a good movie. I will tell you that much, Colin. Colin, I have not seen Eight Seconds. You haven't seen You haven't seen Eight, eight seconds? seconds? Thank you for listening to You Haven't Seen, a production of the Robot Warrior Network 2011. Visit us at youhaven'tseen.robotwarriornetwork.com or email yhs at robotwarriornetwork.com. I'm familiar with editing.